They are created, O Thou, Thou art worthy, O Lord, sing Thou art worthy, O for Thou, Thou art worthy. Does your heart testify of this this morning? Will you make room for Him in your heart this morning? Say, Lord, I surrender all that I am. I dedicate myself to you this morning. Speak to me this morning. Amen. Oh, Lord, Jesus, receive all the glory and honor, all the glory and honor. And Amen. Father, you are worthy this morning. Lord, you're worthy of all of our worship. Lord, you're worthy of all of our praise. We look back over the course of our life, Lord, the short span that we had been here on this earth, God, and we think about the hand of God and how you provided every step of the way, Lord. Even when we were in our lowest depths of the valley of despair, God, you were there. Lord, we were so fortunate to climb to the very tops of those mountain peaks, Lord, and take a rest from the weary battle. Father, you were there. All along life's journey, Lord, you had been there, Lord. You had watched over your seed, you brought us to this special place this morning, Father, and we're so grateful and so thankful, Lord, for the opportunity that's been given us as your children to serve you. Lord, this Sunday morning that's been set aside, the beautiful day that you have provided, Lord. And God, we're asking that not only the sunlight that is radiating on the outside, Lord, I'm asking, Father, and I'm inviting the sun, the the S-O-N light to come on the inside of this building, on the inside of every heart this morning, God. And you begin to radiate within the innermost being, Father. And may the word, the seed that's been planted, begin to flourish and blossom and bloom, Lord, into that which you had predestinated it to be. So, Father, we just give ourselves to you this morning. The service, Lord. We step aside, Father, and we ask that you would come and you would be the guest speaker, Lord. You administer to the hearts, to the lives, to the need of your people. And Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity and we pray you're blessed now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. If you would turn those monitors toward me just a little bit, that'd be great. And we're going to look in a couple passages of scripture this morning. We're going to look first in Matthew 11, verse 25. 
Matthew eleven twenty five, Second Corinthians three seventeen, Galatians five, in verse one. <clears throat> I tell you, it was uh, quite a service last night. The anointing of the Lord was very special. You say, well, Brother Joe, are you patting yourself on the back? Absolutely not. But I can tell you, I preached for over 20 years now. And and last night when I finished preaching, I was so wiped out because I felt the virtue of the Lord just begin to leave and leave and leave. So you know that it has nothing to do with a man, but it's all to do with God. And so apologize for those that I didn't get to pray with. I mean, I was... I was I was wiped out. And so I just thank the Lord. You know, that's not anything on my doing. That's the creation that you helped create an atmosphere last night so that the Holy Spirit could work. And, and I believe that he did work last night. But we want to just look to the Lord this morning as a continuation from last night's service. If we spoke on, listen to the voice, and I believe that we can pick up from there. Not that I'm going to do a part two, but I just believe the Lord has something else for us this morning. And we're going to read here in Matthew 11 and verse 25 says, At that time, Jesus answered and he said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent. And has revealed them unto babes. I want you to realize that the wise and the prudent are not hearing what you're hearing this morning. But unto babes, unto those that are able to understand, have understanding because they're not so indoctrinated with man's ideas. And he says, even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of the Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, and neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomever the Son will reveal himself. And I love the call. Come unto me all that are that ye are labor and heavy laden. And he says, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek. And I am lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God bless you. You can have your seats. We're going to look at a couple other passages here. But before we do, I just kind of want to kind of start breaking these scriptures down just a little bit. Now we find Jesus and he's talking and he understands the world in which he's preaching that they're under a heavy burden. They're under a load, and you know, a lot of times you and I as even individuals and believers of this message, that we're under a heavy load because the weight of the world is pressing down upon us to keep you from occupying your position as sons and daughters of God. But we find here Jesus comes and he says, come unto me, all ye that are labor and that are under a heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. And that's what you're here for this morning. You're here to find rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you for learn of me for I am meek and I am lowly and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now this word yoke means a crossbar or a band. It's something that means bondage. It's a burden. It's a symbol of troublesome laws and a lot of times we have taken the yoke of the world and we placed it on our shoulders and we tried to carry ourselves through society but I want you to know tonight your shoulders are not big 
enough to carry the yoke of the world. Your shoulders are not big enough to carry the yoke of religion. And God has come to you in this hour and he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And we heard last night, listen to the voice. Quit listening to man's ideas and the yoke of man and, and man's intellectual understanding. But take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and I am lowly. And you then can find rest for your weary souls. For my yoke, my yoke is easy, Brother Glenn. And my burden, oh hallelujah. My burden is like, you know, a lot of times when we first gave our heart to the Lord, you know, before we did, we was kind of treading the waters right there. We didn't know if we really wanted to go all the way in or not. What do I got to give up? You know, I got to sacrifice this and I got to sacrifice that. And when you look back 20 something years later, you recognize it wasn't a sacrifice. No, God lifted that heavy burden off of your life, that burden of drugs and that burden of sin and that burden of unbelief, and you put on another yoke. But I want you to know, brother and sister, God's yoke is not a yoke of burdensome. God's yoke is not a yoke of heavy load, but it's a yoke of freedom. It's a yoke of liberty. And when you put on that yoke, I want you to know then and only then can you walk in liberty. Then and only then are you free from the cares of this world. We find here in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 17, he says, now the, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we heard about that, about that spirit last night. That he that hath ears to hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. And the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I believe last night we found a lot of liberty in the house of God. I believe last night some of you found liberty last night. Some of you had been struggling with the word. Some of you had been struggling with the message. But I believe last night you found your liberty because you found it wasn't a man. You found it wasn't about a bunch of knowledge, about an intellectual understanding. But you found it was the spirit. It was the true spirit of God. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty from sin. There is liberty from man-made ideas. There is liberty in the house of God to worship Him. And this word liberty here means simply freedom. Simply freedom. We look here in Galatians, and this is where I'm going to pull my thought for this morning. And bear with me as I have plenty of pages of notes. We're here only all day. Nowhere to be, praise the Lord. Y'all don't get scared about that. <laughs> but Galatians 5 and verse 1. The Bible would tell us to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And notice now, the second part of that scripture is, be not entangled again. Notice, he's liberated us, he's freed us, and he's telling us now, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Otherwise, we find that man-made ideas are nothing but a yoke of bondage. Sin and unbelief is a yoke of bondage. 
sin, drugs, drinking, all those things. But I want you to know depression is a yoke of bondage. Fear is a yoke of bondage. Suicidal thoughts is a yoke of bondage. Anxieties, worry, guilt, regrets is a yoke of bondage. And he's telling you, I've liberated you to stand fast in the liberty where it's Christ, not a prophet, not a preacher, not a mom, not a dad, but Christ has made you free. And stand fast in that liberty and don't entangle yourself again with thoughts of the mind. Don't entangle yourself again with depression and fear and anxiety. And unworthiness that you can never amount up to anything. I'm here to tell you, if God thought so much about you this morning to liberate you, then God's got a plan for you. It ain't only to bring you liberty on this side, but God's got a plan to change your mortal bodies. He said, Brother Joe, I don't know about this. Well, let's look in Galatians 5 and verse 13. He says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Some of you need to highlight that in your Bibles. You need to mark it down. When the devil tells you you ain't worthy, and the devil tells you you're never going to amount to anything, I'm here to tell you the word telling you right now, you have been called to liberty. You have been called to be free. You have been called to worship. You have been called to be a son and a daughter of God. That's what you've been called to. And only not use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Oh, now I can do anything I want to do. But, notice, but by love, oh, I love this, serve one another. That's true liberty. When you can put your thoughts aside, and you can put your hurts aside, you can put your discouragement aside, and you can serve. See, the yoke that we find in Matthew 11, that Jesus is saying, I'm going to take that yoke off of you, and I'm going to give you a new yoke, where you once were a prisoner to the enemy, now... You're going to be a slave to me. But there's a difference in this slavery because my yoke is easy. Because it's not a, a yoke of bondage, but it's a yoke of freedom. Notice now, and Paul is telling us, and I want to speak to you this morning on stand fast in your liberty. Notice, this can't be mom's liberty for you. This can't be dad's liberty for you. This can't be the preacher's liberty for you. This has to be your own liberty. And some of you last night experienced that liberty. And you experienced the joy of the Lord. And Paul is telling us, and he's encouraging us to stand fast. And that word there means to stand firm, to persevere. Oh, sometimes you take attack after attack. But we hear he's telling us to be persevering, to be persistent, to keep on standing. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. When the enemy comes against you, you keep standing. When all hell comes against you, I want you to know this morning, all heaven stands behind you. When the enemy turns loose, God also opens up the glorious, unsurmountable mounts of heaven and he pours it out upon the believer. See, Paul is encouraging them. He says, now, you have been called to liberty. You have been called from freedom from the Jewish rites and ceremonies. So Paul is also wishing that those teachers have begun to try to put the Gentiles under the Jewish bondage, you got to do this and you got to do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. Paul is saying, I wish those teachers to be removed so that you can enjoy the liberty wherein Christ has made you free. 
I want you to be free from the servitude of sin. I want you to be free from the subjection of man's religious, man's religious form of worship. And I understand, church, and I know that, uh, that you have to understand as well that a lot of preaching is humanity, right? Because we're God's instrument. It's like I spoke last night. We're God's instrument, God's agent, God's ambassador. God uses man. But that man has to be so completely surrendered to God that he doesn't inject his own humanity over the pulpit and into the people's mind. Because then the people, if they're not hearing the spirit, they take on the mind of a man. They take on the ideas of a man. And that's when you find 40,000 different denominations. That's why you find so many fractions of the message of the hour because no it wasn't the spirit that formed all those things but it was the mind of a man preaching maybe his own thought or his own idea but I'm here to tell you that God has called us to be free from that God has called you to hear the word of God and he's saying stand fast in that freedom I sent you a message I sent you a prophet I sent you a word and that word is not to entangle you again with the yoke of bondage but that word was sent to liberate you to set you free that you can worship God where once your hands were held down now you can put your hands up and worship God once when the weight of the world was on top of it now you can be free and say yes Lord I'm free from the cares of this world Jesus has made us free and he's pleading with you don't be entangled again don't be entangled again Christ has made you free. Do you realize not one of us here this morning can free yourself? How many tried it? How many of you have ever tried to make your own way? How does it turn out for you? You make it worse. See, freedom is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's a gift from, a gift from Jesus. We find in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, the Bible tells us, For it is by grace that you are saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves, but is a gift of God. So when we struggle to free ourselves, well, I got to make this happen. I got to kick this door open. Or I'm going to shut this one out. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a fast. And I'm going to keep myself from this. You can only keep yourself so long. You can only keep yourself so long. I know when I first came a Christian and, you know, you go through that stage of justification and my, 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 you're glad you're justified. But, oh, my, when you go through that sanctification stage, sometimes, you know, sanctification, you haven't learned grace of God yet. Man, you're legalistic and you got ideas and you got this and you got that and you're pronouncing judgment on that one and you're looking with a critical eye on that one and you realize deep in your heart you can't keep yourself and you go for so long and say, well, I'll never do that again or I'll never look at that again or I'll never do that again. And oh, you may go so long, you may go two or three months, but all of a sudden there's a little trap set and you fall into it. Why? Because it's only you doing the work. But if you ever let the Holy Ghost get a hold of it, you can ever let the Holy Ghost in you yourself and realize that he sent you a word he sent you something to free you then you move from justification into sanctification and from sanctification into the baptism of the holy ghost where it's no longer you keeping yourself but the good man of the house the holy ghost is there and what is he doing he oh hallelujah he's liberated you and where you couldn't keep yourself he will keep you because now you're no longer under the yoke of sin and bondage of sin and the bondage of man but now you're under the liberty, the yoke of the word, and it's freedom to the saints of God. 
Y'all have to excuse my excitement. Oh, my. Freedom. And he's got a warning. Don't. Don't be entangled. Oh, my. Don't be entangled again with those views of humanity. Notice. The Bible tells us that we're born in sin. How many angels do we got here this morning? Oh, good. I'm glad. There's no seraphims and none of those cherubs running around here, right? Okay, good. But see, the Bible tells us that we were born in sin and we were shaping in iniquity. So otherwise, it would take something greater. It would take something greater than man's intellect. It would take something greater than man's ability to free himself from the bondage of sin, from the desires of sin, and from the desires to be religious and just have a form of godliness. Notice it would take a lamb. It would take a lamb, a lamb that was slain from before the foundation of the world. That lamb would have to come. And what would that lamb do? He would remove that yoke off your life. Otherwise, he would roll the reproach away. Oh, my, I just love that. We find in Hebrews first, or chapter 9 and verse 22, it says now, And almost all things by the law are purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. So it took a lamb to remit that yoke of bondage that was on your shoulders. You couldn't help it. You were born that way. Adam, our first father, sold us into slavery of sin. Oh, my church. But thank God. Thank God we have, we have a Savior. We had a lamb that came, and now that lamb is compelling us. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. And you find people today, they leave this word, and they leave this message, and they go, well, now I'm finally free. I'm free from the yoke of the message. And what do you first thing that they do is they go and they cut their hair, and they go and they put on makeup, and they go straight to the liquor store, and they go straight to the bar, and you realize their life goes down, down, down. What they thought they were chasing freedom they went headlong into bondage but I'm going to tell you God has sent you a word and that word is freedom where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty from those things oh they, they're free now they're free from the hold that it has over their life I didn't grow up in the message I didn't grow up in a Christian home but I've never been so free oh I was a slave to the bottle Go out and get on all night drunk. Wake up the next morning miserable. Headache. Throwing up. And you call that freedom? You call that liberty? Dress any old way. Sleep with this and sleep with that and do this and do that. And you call that liberty? That's all the liberty the devil can offer you. But I'm talking to you about a real liberty this morning. I'm talking about freedom over those things. I'm talking about where your nature has changed. And your desires has changed. And God comes down. And he seals that life. And that's free of real liberty. That's the liberty that I'm talking about this morning. He's made you free from those things where he takes the very desire of the world and the things of the world out of your life and it gives you a godly desire. It gives you a godly thirst. It gives you a godly hunger. Now you crave the word. You can't get enough of this word. He's given you a true liberty where you're free from trying to earn your way to heaven. Trying to earn your way. Well, if I can, I can do enough good deeds 
maybe the Lord will overlook the sin of my life. If I do enough of this, enough of that. See, freedom from sin and the guilt and condemnation of sin is what he brought you to. You can't erase your past. How many of you got a past this morning? You can't erase it. It's always there. But in God's mind, he doesn't even remember. He remitted it. He made you free. When, and when those thoughts come up and you start giving voice to those thoughts, oh, God, forgive me. He's like, what are you talking about? Forgive you? Forgive you for what? Forgive you for what? When you say, well, Lord, I did this. He's like, what are you talking about? He's already put your past in the sea of God's forgiveness. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And if he is God, can liberate you to that extent. What about you letting yourself go? Allowing yourself to be free from your mistakes, from your failures, from all those things. Say, God, thank you now. I'm standing in the liberty where if you made me free, I'm not going to hold on to my past any longer. I'm not going to allow it to put me in bondage. He's liberated you. But you know, you got to know that you're free. I can tell you you're free. Brother Sam can tell you you're free. Brother Matt can tell you you're free. Young people, mom and dad can tell you you're free. But until freedom is a revelation, until freedom becomes a revelation, see, notice now, someone who is legally free in Jesus they can still allow themselves to be in bondage. You find a lot of message believers fighting depression, bondage, suicide thoughts, bondage, fears, bondage, regrets, guilt, shame, bondage, anxiety, bondage. All these thoughts, they're bondage. Listen to what Dwight Moody would say. He says he illustrated this point by quoting an old former slave a woman in the South following the Civil War. She was a former slave and she was confused about her liberty. It's okay for me to share this morning. She says, now is I free or been I not? When I go to my old master, he says, I ain't free. And when I go to my own people, they say I is. I don't know whether I'm free or not. Some people told me that Abraham Lincoln signed the proclamation, but Master says he didn't, and he didn't have any right to. And what I'm afraid of is many Christians take that same mentality, and they say, well, you know, the church says I'm free, and, and Jesus says I'm free, but that old Master says I'm not free. Well, who are you, you going to listen to this morning? That old Master of depression, that old Master of suicide, that old Master of anxiety, are you going to listen to the Word of God who's told you, I've made you free this morning. You ain't got to listen to that old Master anymore. That old master don't have rights to you because a proclamation of emancipation has been signed on your behalf and you're free to worship God. You're free from those things. You're free from those cares. He has liberated you by the word of the hour. Oh, that old master wants to come, that old slave master of passion, that old slave master of pride, that old slave master of bitterness, that old slave master of grudges, that old slave master of complexes, and tell you, you're not free. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you are free. You're free this morning. You don't have no chains holding on you this morning because God has sent an anointing, and that anointing destroys the yoke of the enemy. But you find, Paul is saying, stand fast in the liberty. There were 613 commandments that the Jews had to learn. 
that they had to obey. 613. You talk about bondage. They had to understand. They had to learn them. Then they had to obey them. Double bondage. Could you imagine being a Jew and having an infraction because you couldn't remember all 613? Nevertheless, you couldn't even keep 20. What a burden. What a bondage Joe's Jewish rights had become. What God through Moses meant to free the people and take them out of Egypt. Those intellectual minds put them under bondage by the, by the law. They were never meant to be under bondage. It was meant to be freedom to them. But, but it became a law. It became burden. And I'm afraid today there's been a lot of message preachers that's taken this glorious message and they enslaved the people again. And this message for so many is nothing but a bunch of do's and a bunch of don'ts. They've never preached the freedom behind the word. They've never preached the power of the word. It's nothing you come in and you sit down and it's nothing more than an intellectual understanding. Oh, they may be able to tell you what he said over here in this quote and what he said in here and what he says in choosing of a bride and what he says in the visible union and all that. But I'm telling you, they don't preach the power of God. They don't preach the anointing of the Holy Spirit and their people set dead their people set enslaved and it's a bunch of do's and don'ts and wonder why their churches are dead and wonder why there's no young people coming to the, the house of God no young people falling on the cross on the altar giving their heart to the God because there ain't no God there it's nothing but bondage but I'm here to tell you church God has liberated you this morning oh why are you here this morning because God is resounding out I've made you free in little Brantley little Kansas or Bentley, Kansas. I've called you to be free. The whole purpose of God sending this message was to liberate us from man's idea. See, God was in denominations as long as denominations were with God. But when they put their period and they refused to continue to move with the word, God was done with them. And we find, and what that denomination has done is they put the people under bondage. And see, the purpose of this message, though, is for liberation. To let, to let the elect know that you're free from the bondage of those traditions of man that's been passed down and passed down and passed down. This is the way that it always has been. Well, let's just take the example just for a minute. This is a Methodist church. So if we're going to do things the way that it's always done in the Methodist church. Some of y'all are doing a really good job right now being Methodist. Oh, you say, well, Brother Joe. Wesley, they once shouted in the Methodist. Exactly. They once had the word for their day. But you find when Wesley went off the scene, the people that followed Wesley's message, they denominated it. And when they denominated it, they shut the spirit out. They once had freedom. They once had liberty. I guarantee if we went back to 1902, 1910, this place used to shake with the power of God. If it shook back then, brother, under that message, what about the message today with this word that we got? It's a full word. It's a restored word. I say, let the roof shake this morning. Let the wall shake this morning. We're free to serve God. We're free in Christ this morning. Hallelujah. Some people want to claim that. That you got to get my tapes. If you're going to make a rapture. 
bondage. Some people say, well, you got to play what voice of God is playing or you're not going to make it. Bondage. Some people say you got to play the same tape at the same time or you're not even sanctioned as a church. Bondage. Bondage. But what did God do? God came and sent a little bitty, little bitty Kentucky preacher with a seventh grade education and he stood between every denomination. He didn't denominate with this one. He didn't form up with this one. He preached where the doors were open and every place he preached, he preached freedom. He preached liberty. He preached no matter where you are, if you were in the depths of sin, you can be free this morning. If you were a prostitute on the street, you can be free this morning. If alcohol and drugs consumed your life, you can be free this morning. If all you had was an intellectual understanding, you can be free this morning. He he didn't draw any lines. He didn't build any walls. He wasn't raising wrecks and barriers, but he was tearing down those old walls of patrician that held us from one another and from fellowship. And he brought liberty to the elect of God. Notice, for many, our message, a message of freedom, has become a message of bondage. And they've used this message because all they have is an intellectual understanding. And they say, well, we don't need all that emotion. We don't need all that emotion. And what you find, the people that have that emotion, that spirit tries to come on top of them and puts a yoke on them and make them feel condemned for the joy that they have in their heart. Let me just say this. If you was where I was at 20-something years ago, if you was in that car with me, if you was in just a couple of hours before that voice came down and spoke to me, you would understand why I got this joy. You would understand why I'm happy. You would understand why I'm free. Oh, you would understand the joy that I have. I knew where I was headed, Brother Sam. I was headed to a devil's hell and a sinner's grave. But a voice came down and said, turn your car around. But I want you to know more than a voice came in this hour. Malachi 4 came. And he says, turn your heart around. I've given you the word. I've given you the former rain. And I've given you the latter rain. And the latter rain is greater than the former rain. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost today is greater than the outpouring of yesterday. Oh, just receive the Word, and it'll release you from bondage. So let me just bring you a couple of quotes about noise. I know some of you need it because you're quiet. I'm like that old Pentecostal preacher. You ain't got enough room up here for me to preach. Mercy. He goes, I know you think we're awful noisy bunch. And some of you going... You're awful noisy, Brother Joe. He says, well, brother, this is earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered. I can prove to you if there ain't, if it ain't noise, if there ain't no noise, God there. Or if there ain't no noise, there ain't no God there. Listen, the Old Testament, Aaron, 
when Aaron was anointed with the rose of Sharon and he had that anointing oil that run down his beard to the hems of his skirt and he had taken a sacrifice and he went into the holy of holies and he went behind the curtain across the, the garment there. He had a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell. And when he walked in, that pomegranate and that bell began to hit together crying, holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. Why did they tie a pomegranate and a bell upon him? Because they knew when he went in there, if they didn't hear the noise of that holy, holy, holy. They knew he was a dead man. But I'm here to tell you, that's what the church needs today is a pomegranate and a bell. They need the Holy Ghost again back in their lives and realize you're free this morning and your life is crying out holy unto the Lord. It's crying out amen to the word. Hallelujah to the grace of God. Holy, holy unto the Lord. What is it, church? It's noisy. But that noise means there's life in the church. There's life in the people of the church. There ain't no life in that pew. But you put somebody on fire for God on that pew, it'll set that pew on fire, church. He says, oh, look at here, brother. And the reason they did that, that was the only way that they could tell that he was alive. Well, are, we, are we in a dead church? Are we a lively church? Come on now. Some of you need to wake up. Some of you need to resurrect this morning and realize you're free. It's okay to worship. It's okay to shout. It's okay to give God praise. You're alive this morning. Not by my thinking. Not by my effort. But the Elohim is coming this hour. The Word has become flesh and He's alive in your heart. He says, they listen to hear if there's any noise. See, if there was no noise, he was dead. And he said, that's what's today. The church is born again, going into the holy of holies, anointed with the God's pomegranate and the bell. Hallelujah. It's okay. It's okay to hallelujah. Oh, my. It's okay to worship God. The only way that they know that man was still alive, that God hadn't slayed him back there behind the curtain, is because of that noise. They can hear the bell ringing. He goes, oh, I tell you, the only way that I know there's life in the church. Are you the church this morning? The only way that I know there's life in the church, when a little noise gets started somewhere. And you know, little amen once in a while. Or a little something, you know, make a little noise. I say, church, let's make noise this morning. We're no longer under the yoke. Well, you got to be quiet in church. Well, you can't act this way. And you can't act that way. And you got to have your church in order. I feel like the prophet of God sometimes. He says, some of us need to get out of order so we can get saved. He said, well, Brother Joe, that's all emotion. Brother Brown said, listen. He goes, I can scientifically prove to you that nothing with emotion, if it ain't got emotion in it, it's dead. And if your religion hadn't got any emotion in it, if it ain't got any excitement in it, if it ain't got any worth in it, he says, you need to bury that thing. Bury your dead religion. Because he sent you a word of liberty this morning. Notice, he goes, I was preaching. There was a woman crying and she was holding up her hands and crying and praising God. And the Holy Spirit was there and the woman was filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, there was a man who belonged to another church, a friend of mine. And he said, they were standing outside. And he said, Billy, he goes, I was sure enjoying your sermon until that woman raised up and started crying. 
said, oh, how in the world could you preach her acting like that? I love his response. This is why I can't be a preacher, Brother Sam. He said, that's the only time I can preach. When I see the power of God, it's called away the church, called away the message. Oh, it just makes shiver. He said, it just makes shivers run down my back. He said, brother, if you're ever fortunate enough to get to heaven, you'll freeze to death because they'll be crying, they'll be shouting, they'll be praising God day and night. Oh, angels flying back and forth. Holy, holy, holy unto the Lord. He goes, I tell you, brother, right here is the quietest place, quietest world you'll ever live in. If you go to hell, there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And if you go to heaven, there'll be hallelujahs and praise our God. Oh, church, don't wait to heaven and start praising them. Don't wait to heaven and start giving them now a sacrifice of praise. Let everything this morning that has breath praise ye the Lord. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be worshipped this morning. Don't let some rock take your place. Don't let some tree take your place. God has called you unto liberty this morning. I'm going to need y'all to bring me a water. I know I didn't drink it last night, but tonight's a, or today's a different day. What we find today Men want to claim the day of miracles is over. You know what that was in the 40s and 50s and 60s? That was a church of Christ spirit. Said, God, don't do those things anymore. God, don't do like that anymore. And Church of Christ shut the door on the Spirit of God. They shut the door on supernatural. And many denominations shut the door on the supernatural. God don't move like He did. Some They want to claim today, God don't move like He did in the 40s. God don't move like He did in the 50s and the 60s. That was only for Brother Branham. That was only for a prophet. That was only his gift under his administration. Now, now let me just read a quote to you. See, what they, what they do now is they try to rob the people of their hope. Robbing the people of their liberties. Here in the message of Super Sense, Brother Bram says, now up here at Cato Tabernacle, we had a meeting. That little cripple boy that came in there was prayed for. Many of you there to see him. They brought him back into the emergency room, and Billy led me to him. And they had him on the platform for three or four nights there in the building. And he didn't get a prayer card, so they put him in the emergency room. And I went in there, and I prayed for him and looked at him. And he said, Mr. Branham, can you tell me some consolation? I said, yes, son. Polio got you this way. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to let that cool off a minute or warm up a minute. Let's put it like that. Amen. Hold on a second, folks. We just put that right there. If that water falls off, I quit. He says, polio got you this way. He said, that's right. He said, your name is such and such. You come from a certain place. He said, that's right. He said, what about my healing? Notice the reply from a prophet. He didn't have some supernatural prayer. He said, by his stripes, you are healed. Just that simple. What did he do? The prophet of God spoke the word back to him. 
And notice he went home testifying, giving God praise. He brought such a reproach that they claim in the neighborhood until on a Sunday, a group of ministers come in and they sat down by him. They said, you got to stop doing that. You're bringing a reproach upon the cause. And that young man sitting there, he said, mister, if you were sitting where I am, if you was in the chair that I'm sitting in, you wouldn't try to rob me of my last hope that I have. And he said, now, by his stripes, I am healed. And the power of God came down and took the shackles off of his life and brought liberation. Why? Because he spoke the word. When men were trying to rob him of his only hope, they were trying to strip him of his only hope. He stood there. He stood fast in his Liberty Church. And I'm telling you this morning, the devil's going to come and he's going to try to rob you of your only hope. But you stand fast in the liberty where God has called you to be free. They want to rob you and tell you there's no divine healing today. They want to rob you and say the days of miracles is past. They want to tell you there's no deliverance. You got to live with it. They want to tell you, give up on your loved ones. There's no hope in trying. He's not saving prodigals anymore. He says, oh, get you a bottle of Xanax or this, that, or the other, because you can't have joy. You can't have peace. You can't have victory. Trying to rob the people of their only hope. But I'm not here robbing you. I'm not here robbing you. I'm here robbing him. That devil come in here and try to tell you you can't be victorious. I'm here to strip him this morning of every authority that he has. To bind him of every power that he thinks he has over the power of God. And I'm here to tell you today, God has called you to liberty. God has called you to be free. And I will say, stand fast this morning, brother. Stand fast this morning with the word. The word has declared you free. The word has declared you healed. The word has declared you delivered. The word has been declared over you, church. There's been a prophecy over you. I've seen you going up. Not down, church. You got men, though, they're not preaching the inspired word. Oh, they may comb the message. I don't want your intellectual understanding. I don't care how you stack it. You stacking it don't do me a bit of good. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to manifest the gospel. I want you to prove to a dying generation that they are free. I want you to preach the power. Let me tell you, where God put the power in, he never showed me, Brother Sam, where he ever took the power out. Don't you try to say that the days of apostles are over, or the apostolic age is over. God never, he said, it's unto you, unto your children, unto them that is far off, unto as many as our Lord God shall call. He's still calling. He's still moving. He's still directing. He's still liberating. He's still setting free. He's still healing. And he's still saving. And he's still filling with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, the apostolic the cage is not over, church. Throw that man-made idea out the door because you have been free from that thinking. Trying to rob the people. Rob them from a supernatural experience. Rob the people from knowing that they can be free. Overheard you last night, Brother Glenn, talking. How God healed you from those bed sores. No denomination did that for you. 
No intellectual understanding did that for you. But no, you got into an atmosphere. An atmosphere where the word was preached. And you realize you were free. And you realize those sores on your backside, they didn't have to stay there. There was an encroachment. There was a squatter on God's property. And you got the authority by the word of God. Let's say Satan back up this morning. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am delivered. By his stripes, you got to go in the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, no intellectual understanding can preach the power of God. But you let the anointed man, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he will preach you into a salvation and deliverance and a healing and liberty. The problem, church, is there's a lot of men out there that ain't sitting in that chair. They're not where you have been. They're not going through your struggle. And it's nothing but a bunch of head knowledge. But you're not taking a rapture with head knowledge. You're taking a rapture with a heart change. But Bam said in the Ephesian church age, he said, Paul saw it coming. And he warned them about this subtle priesthood that would come. And take over with his false doctrines. He knew they would implement a way of worship. That excluded the people from any part. Of the Holy Ghost ministry. Oh church. And today they claim you can just receive the Holy Ghost. Just by believing God sent a prophet. No. That ain't the way it happens. God has to stay with his word. And God has a word for receiving the Holy Ghost. He says full obedience to the word entitles you to the Holy Ghost. And if you're not under full obedience, let me tell you, you ain't got it. You're not going to get it. But when you come under full obedience to this word and put man's idea aside and say, God, I want your word. I want to hear the spirit. I want to hear what he's saying to my day. I want to hear what he's saying to my church. Then and only then, if your life has come subject to the word, can God fill you with the Holy Ghost. And when you got the Holy Ghost, that is true liberation. Oh my, he knew that they would implement a way of worship that excluded the people from any part of the Holy Spirit ministry. And even right today among those who claim to be free and full of the Spirit, there is not too much freedom in the laity. You go to church, and they just like some intellectual. Some of them will sleep on you. Some of them you got some that a shout over here, and other ones going, I wish he would quieten down. Notice what the prophet is saying. I'm not trying to get you worked up. I'm just trying to let you know you're free. He goes, even right today, among those who claim to be free and full of the spirit, there is not so much freedom in the laity. And the best we can see is a few preachers with inspired preaching while the flock just sits there and tries to absorb it. Oh, church, don't just try to absorb it. You have been called to it. This is what God has called you to. This is a far cry from Paul who said that when they all came together, they had the leading of the Spirit and they all participated 
It ain't just for the deacons. It ain't just for the preachers. No, but they all participated. When they went into that, that upper room there, 120 of them, which is a lot more than we have here, they wasn't bickering about who was going to be the greatest. They wasn't worried about who was going to be the loudest. They were looking for one thing. We heard that there was going to be a coming of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told us to go there into the city of Jerusalem until you've been endued with power from on high. Why'd you come to church this morning? It's to be endued with the Holy Ghost. It's to be endued with power. It's to be endued with strength. It's to be liberated from your thinking and from man-made ideas. And they went there and they waited. And they waited. And they waited. And the Bible said they waited till the day of Pentecost fully came. So they waited Jesus resurrected, and 10 days later, the day of Pentecost, he resurrected 40 days, he was with them, and then 10 days later, the day of Pentecost fully came. And when the day of Pentecost fully came, which if you go back, if you go back into Leviticus, and you understand all the feasts, all those feasts was a feast of freedom. Because now they're no longer in Egypt. God said, look where I brought you from. You're no longer in Egypt. It was a feast of freedom that you don't have to serve those taskmasters anymore. And now I'm giving you the first fruits of the land. And you wave the first fruits over there. And 50 days later, it's going to be a Pentecost. And 50 days after that, it's going to be the day of atonement. What is God preparing us for, church? We're already at Pentecost. We're the seventh church age. There's a, a, a day of atonement is coming where this bride is raptured off of this earth. What? That's true liberation. He said, now the church corporate has never learned this lesson from the scripture nor from history. Every time God gives a visitation of the Holy Spirit, the people get free. And after a while, they bind themselves right back to the very thing they came out of. Bind themselves right back. When Luther came out of Catholicism, the people stayed free for a while. But when he died, the people simply organized what they thought he believed and they set up their own creeds and ideas and reputed anyone who said opposite of what they said. And they went right back to Catholicism with a little different form. But when Jesus came and they tried to tie him in with marriage and divorce, well, Moses gave a writing of divorcement. Jesus said it wasn't so from the beginning. So if you want to know God's thoughts about it, you want to know God's thoughts about this message, go back to the beginning. Go back to where it originated. Where did it originate, church? You want to know about the Holy Ghost? Where did the Holy Ghost originate? It originated in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And if that was the standard then, that's the standard today. What God did then, you can expect God to do it today because if God don't change his mind about it, if they had to go up there, if Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to climb up in that upper room and she had to get drunk on the Spirit, she had to come out staggering like a drunk woman, if she had to do it, you got to do it. You think just crossing the street with your Bible under the arm or some message book and coming to the house of God and sit down and think that's it? He says, no, you got to get so south drunk on the Spirit of God where everybody loves you and you love everybody. You're not worried about what your neighbor thinks. You're worried about one thing. What does my God think? Notice now, he referred them back to the beginning. See, if we want to know the truth, if we want to walk in the truth, then we got to go back to the beginning. We got to go back to where it originated. 
See, God being infinite, he knew all things before the world was ever created. He knew every fly, every gnat, every time that he would bat his eye, how much tallow he had before the world ever started. He knew you'd be here this morning. And he says now, that's infinite. He knows the end from the beginning. So that makes him infinite. He knows. So then he's omnipresent. And by knowing all things, what's going on and whatever he says, it is forever the truth. If God ever called on the scene to make a decision and he makes that decision, it has to be forever the same way. He cannot change that decision because he says, he says, now, well, I thought, well, I thought then I get a better idea. No, that's you and that's me. But God doesn't get a better idea. See, the word can't change, church. Here's the thing, though. Churches change. Seasons change. Temperature changes. Men change. Children change. But God remains the same. And you find out through age and through age, God has remained the same. His word has remained the same. So why are we not where we were when we started? Because people have changed. Churches have changed. Ideas have changed. Concepts have changed. All these things have changed. But God has never changed. And he that heareth what the Spirit saith unto those churches out there, to the people of that age, if they can only hear what the Spirit is saying, He is saying the same thing that the groom is saying. He is saying the same thing through every church age he cannot change he will not change but you gotta change to fit the masterpiece you gotta change to fit the word of the hour you can't expect the word to change but we gotta line up with the word well that wasn't how it was when I was being brought up well it's because it was a change but this never changes it's infinite it's infinite. See, the church, Brother Bam says, now what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. And there's no other pattern, no matter what the scholars say, God has not changed the pattern. What God did at Pentecost, He has to keep on doing until the church ages close. What am I telling you this for? Because I'm telling you, this is part of your freedom. This is part of your freedom. You say, I got to act like that. It's part of your freedom. If you can ever let go of yourself. How many of you have a time sometimes letting go? Worried about what people think. Come on. We're just brothers and sisters. We're just family here this morning. Sometimes we got, we, it's a hard thing for some of us to let go and just, you know, some inside is wanting to be free, wanting to lift your hands, wanting to worship. Some of you wanting to run and you wanting to shout, but you're just, a, you hadn't got past yourself. But the prophet of God will tell you, he says, there's a plane up there. He says, and when that plane gets past its own sound barrier, oh, it may shake a little bit. It may rattle a little bit. It feels like the boats are going to pop out. But once that plane gets beyond its own sound, he says, it could just fly at ease. What? What's the matter, church? You got to get past your own ideas. You got to get past your own complexes. And when you get past you, it ain't no telling how high you can fly, how liberated you will be. You may dance in the spirit. You may shout the hallelujah. You may run around. It don't matter. Just get past yourself this morning and get free. There's only one person that can't run this morning. He'll run on his hand. 
And if he ever runs, you better get behind him. See, the church that was at Pentecost is the standard. First Baptist ain't the standard. United Methodist ain't the standard. Assembly of God ain't the standard. United Pentecostal isn't the standard. The church at the day of Pentecost is the standard. And they had to go up there, Brother Sam, and they all had to take a drink. Oh my, and when the day of Pentecost fully came, tongues of fire and licks of fire, imagine, just for a minute, if that same spirit would just come right now. Tongues, some of you looking at me, all with that look on your face, but if you can just realize you're not in the presence of a man, but you're in the presence of the Son of Man. And you could just somehow let go. And all of a sudden, tongues of fire begin to fall. Licks of fire begin to fall. And all of a sudden, you begin to speak in tongues. Well, brother, I don't know about all that speaking in tongues. It don't matter. They didn't know about it either, but it came. All they did was welcome the Holy Spirit. And if we could just get past ourselves this morning and welcome the Holy Spirit, God will do the miraculous in front of you today. He says, scholars want to tell you that the apostolic age is over. He says, you don't believe that. Such a statement is wrong on two accounts. First of all, it's wrong to suppose that there aren't any more apostles. Just because the original 12 are dead and apostles means a sent one. There are many sent ones. Why am I here today? Because I'm a sent one. God sent me here to you this weekend. But they are called missionaries as long as men are being called and sent forth with the word of life. There is an apostolic age going on. And he says, secondly, secondly, he says, they refer to an age of a manifested Holy Ghost power as being over since the Bible has been completed. He said, that's untrue. There is not even one scripture that suggests that. But many conclusively state otherwise. Here is our proof, brother. He said, Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Christ, not in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, but be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and unto your children and to them that are far off, as many as even our Lord our God shall call. The promise of power which the apostles were endued with at Pentecost unto you, unto them, unto your children, unto your grandchildren, as many as the Lord our God shall call. He's still calling church. God is still calling. That means the apostolic age is still here. He said what the church was. Oh my. Y'all preaching me to death. He says what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally she had the pure word of God. She had the power of the spirit manifested in divers signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. 
He said the original church was not organized by men. It was led by the Holy Ghost. It wasn't very big. It was hated and despised. It was oppressed. It was persecuted unto death. But it was true to God. And if that was a standard, then this must be. This end time church. This end time bride. Much match the same word. The same promise. She must be the same as that church then. See here. But it's the true God, true to God. And they stay with the original word pattern. So on the day of Pentecost, the church received her inalienable rights. So I looked this word inalienable up because I'm not a highfalutin intellectual understanding type kind of guy. I'm just an old country boy. See, this word inalienable means unable or incapable of being alienated. Did y'all hear that? This is your rights. It means incapable of being surrendered. That means we ain't giving up. We ain't backing down. We're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. We're not going to break. Satan, you can do all that you can. But I say in the name of Jesus, house of hell, give way today to the name of Jesus Christ. We ain't backing up with some man idea. We're not giving up. We're not surrendering. We got the rights to the promise. And we're going to preach the power of God. Notice, it's incapable of being transferred. Synonyms for this word inalienable means unsalable or unassailable. It means unable to be attacked. Your rights can't even be attacked. Oh, did you hear me? Your rights can't even be attacked. Your rights can't even be questioned. Your rights can't even be defeated. And another synonym for this word, inalienable, means inherit. It means permanent. Oh, that means they ain't going nowhere. When God established those rights on the day of Pentecost, no matter through the Laodice or the Ephesian age, the Sardis age, the Tyrant age, no matter what age, they're still your rights. You still got a right to it. And though we down in the lay, the Laodicean age and Satan's eating, we still got an inherent right. We're not giving up those rights. We're not transferring those rights. We're preaching those rights. See, you have a right this morning to divine healing. You have a right this morning to joy and to peace. You have a right this morning to a genuine Pentecostal experience. And Satan is trying to strip these rights away from you. And how is he doing that? By having teachers come in and teach away the supernatural. We don't need that anymore. God don't do that anymore. See, we have a right to the full word of God. We have a right to speak in tongues. We said, Brother Joe, I never spoke in tongues. Well, I hadn't either. But it's still my right. We have a right to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We have a right. We have a right to cast out devils. We have, that's your right, not just preachers. We have a right to every promise 
in the book of the God, the book of the Word. We have a, a right to it. And let me just tell you, no polished up intellectual John is going to strip my rights. They're not going to sell my rights. They're not going to defeat my rights. I'm not going to transfer my rights. They don't want to preach the power of God. I'll find another church, but I will hold on to my rights as a son and daughter of God because where my rights are, there is liberty in the house of God. The standard has been set and that church today will act the same as that church. She's going to worship the same. She's going to praise the same. It's going to be the same gifts in operation. Woo. Mercy. Brother EJ, you're driving home, buddy. Listen to what the prophet of God said. He says, sure, the devil has got some crowbaits out there. Crowbaits. I had to look that up. I didn't know what that meant. What's he talking about? You know what a crowbait is? It's an emaciated, worn-out horse or cow. Now, he ain't saying there's an emaciated cow behind the pulpit. He ain't saying there's an emaciated horse behind the pulpit. But what he's saying, the devil has got some old crowbait out there. He goes, I'll tell you the truth. Every time you see a scarecrow, remember, there's something good behind it. He said, they don't put scarecrows. They don't put crowbaits out there by some, by, by, by some hedge apple. No, he says, you put it there. It's under a tree that's got good fruit underneath it or a crop that's got good crop behind it. He said, first thing that you do, you push past that old scarecrow. You push past that old crowbait. You get past that old dead preacher. He is worn out and he's crying about what he did yesterday. And he's crying about how it happened 20 years ago. But he ain't got no life today. He's emaciated, skinny, worn down, ain't preaching the gospel. But I'm here to tell you, brother Sam, just push behind it. Push behind it. There's precious promises in this word. There's a promise for you this morning. And you have a right to the liberties of God. The problem, we got a lot of crowbaits behind the pulpit. Abnormally skinny, worn down, weak. Going about what they did yesterday. Good. What you doing today? Where's the Spirit of God today? Where's the manifestation today? Quit crowing about what yesterday. Yesterday's gone by. He's the same today, church. Satan's put a bunch of scarecrows in this message to keep you I'm pushing past. Oh, scarecrow of depression out there. Oh, scarecrow of complex, you're not good enough. Oh, scarecrow of fear, have you all tore up and tormented and nervous? What you need to do is go burn that old scarecrow down. Put that scarecrow on fire by the power of the Holy Ghost and let the fire of God strike that scarecrow. You ain't got to worry then by pushing past it. You ain't got to You just look at the ashes and say, there used to be something that stopped me here. But that something, oh, hallelujah, it ain't here anymore. The power of God had burnt that thing down. And now I'm going in. Now I'm picking up a handful of healing and a handful of deliverance and a handful of this and a handful of that. Why? Because I pushed past that old scarecrow. You have a right to the supernatural. Go get your handful. You have a right to dance in the spirit because you got victory. Get you a handful. You got a right to shout the praises of God. Reach down and get you a handful this morning. You got a right to joy and to peace and to a godly marriage. Get you a handful. 
Come on, somebody. Reach down this morning and pick up something. Lord, I didn't come here just to play church, but I'm reaching down. I need healing for my body. Lord, I need strength for my marriage. Lord, I need deliverance. I'm reaching down this morning and I'm picking up a handful. I need sight to the blind. I'm reaching down, Satan. You tried to take Brother Hector's sight. But in the name of Jesus, I say I adjure you today. Give back his sight. We're reaching down this morning. And we're picking up a handful of the healing deliverance. A healing word. Brother Hector, get your handful this morning. Go to chewing on it. Burn that old scarecrow down. Old crowbait said you can't be healed anymore. Oh, he done came too late for that. Oh my. You realize today you have a right to be blessed? Hold on, I'm going to say that again because some, some of you looking at me like you ain't never heard that. I ain't Joe Osteen up here. I ain't preaching you a prosperity gospel. But I'm here to tell you this morning, you've got a right to be blessed. It's part of your liberty. Say, so Brother Joe, I need to show you. You need to show me that in the Bible. Turn to Deuteronomy 28, verse 3. We're going to slow down just a minute. We're going to nail this down. I want you to know you're blessed. Deuteronomy 28, verse 3. We're getting there. Just be patient. Oh, yeah, i got all kind of time. Oh, my. Here it is. Deuteronomy. Blessed thou shalt be in the city, and blessed shall thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. Come on, somebody. And the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and the flocks of thy sheep. Verse 5, blessed shall thou be, or shall thy basket and thy store. Blessed shall thou be when thou comest in, and blessed shall thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall call your enemies to come against you, and be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against you one way, and God said they will lead seven ways. I say, oh, glory to God. Satan, you may come through those doors this morning, but you got to find you a window because you ain't going back out the same way you came. I got a promise this morning to be blessed. It says my enemies shall leave. Oh, hallelujah, church. It's time to put your enemies on the run. Notice verse 8. The Lord shall command, command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses. And in all that thou saidest, all that thou setteth thy hand unto, and he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The land. All. Every promise in this book you're entitled to. You're blessed. You're blessed this morning. Just reach in and grab you a promise. The Lord shall establish thee a holy people unto himself. He has sworn unto thee, if thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God and walk in his ways, and all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by my name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of thee, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods. Oh, come on, somebody. 
God just declared right there, look, I'll take care of your finances. I'll take care of your, your little, you just starting out and you need God to bless you. God says, I'll rain down blessings upon you. I'll make thee plenteous in goods and in the fruit of thy body and in the fruit of thy cattle and in the fruit of thy ground in the land which the Lord swearing to give to thy fathers to give thee. And the Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure. The heaven to give the rain unto thy land in his season and to bless all, all the work of thy hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations. And thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head. And not the tail. You're not the back end church. Satan's the back end. You're the head this morning. He's made you the head not to tell. Thou shalt be above only and shall not be from beneath. If thou shalt hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God. Which I command thee this day to observe. Notice. God. Said, I will bless thee. Oh, you may have been meeting in the community center, but I'm going to bless thee. Oh, oh, you keep my commandments, brother Sam, and you assemble together, brother Sam, and you preach my word. No matter who comes and who goes, I'm going to bless you going in. I'm going to bless you going out. I'm going to bless all that you put thy hand to. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to tell you this morning, saints, God still does impossible, man. You believe that God provided you a place of worship and a fellowship hall for a mere thousand dollars, and he's paying y'all to restore it. I'm going to tell you, what a blessing this morning. God He's raining down blessings. That's your rights. That's because you are free people. Because you made a decree. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to serve man's idea. Now I'm going to share something with you. Mercy, man alive. I'm going to share something with you. I preached a series back home for about two or three years. God does impossible math. Impossible. Two fish, five loaves. Nothing to God. Oh, we think, wow. Man, must have been small portions. No, it was two fish and five loaves, 5,000. And if God can do that, then look what God has done right here. Let me tell you, church, it's impossible. Nobody in their right mind. You tell them you got this place plus that place plus this property for $1,000 and they said they're going to pay you to fix it up? They were looking at you like some of you are looking at me right now. But I'm here to tell you, he still does the impossible. Why? Because you have made a decree. We're going to preach this message. I'll walk away from every man-made idea, but we're going to stand true to this word. And look what God has done. God has blessed you in the field. Oh, hallelujah. Look around, church. There ain't nothing but fields, but he's blessed you in the city, brother Sam. And he's blessed Oh, hallelujah. And he's blessed you in the field. I say, God, keep raining down the blessings. I got a right to it. Woo! Some of you need to shout hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for my rights. Oh, my. Oh, my. So I said I was going to share something. 
And please, please don't take this the wrong way. But they're going to share it because it's a testimony. I preached a series on God does impossible math because I was at a hospital and I was the CFO of the hospital, chief financial officer. Had a lot of pressure. All the finances, all the billing, all the receiving, all the purchasing, all that fall, fell underneath my shoulders. I stressed. Every day, Brother Sam, I was stressed. 525 employees were making... They were depending on me to make the right decision financially so they got a paycheck every two weeks. Pressure upon pressure and on pressure. And we was a hospital that was losing some $500,000 a month. Lost $5 million my last year. Now, it wasn't my responsibility. It's all, it's everything. But able to keep those doors open when you ain't making money, that's God doing impossibilities. So as you know, I just retired or resigned the hospital last March. Came here and preached for y'all at the end of April, 1st of May. Brother Sam, you was the first door that opened to me in my full time of my ministry. But what I'm here to tell you is when I walked away from the hospital, I took an $80,000 a year paid cut. 80000 dollars a year pay cut. And I'm here to announce to you this morning, brother and sister, I made $80,000 more this year than I ever made in my life. Did you hear what I just said? I took an $80,000 a year pay cut because I made a decision. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm not worried about my finances. You said you will bless me in the field. Lord, you blessed me on the job. But now I'm about to go out into the field, into the mission field, into the gospel field. You said you will bless me. And he rained down his blessings, church. And I made more money than I've ever made in my life. I'm here to preach to you. God does the impossibilities. He will bless your finances. He will bless your marriage. He will bless your home. He will bless your health. He will bless every aspect of your life because you've got a right to it this morning. People thought I was nuts. Six-figure salary. Walking away from it. That hospital couldn't give me what God's gave me. And let me just tell you, young people, Satan can't give you what God can give you. You put God first. You honor God with your life. He'll rain down blessing after blessing after blessing. Because why? It's your rights. But Satan don't want you to feel that way. He wants you to feel it's wrong to be blessed. You don't need all that money. Well, I mean, all depends on what you do with it. So let me just finish. Can I finish my testimony? So last year when I resigned, how many of y'all got a house note? Some of y'all good. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all doing great. I had a $147,000 mortgage. That wasn't bad because I have a $400,000 home just because it's there. So we paid a lot on it. We built it ourselves. But we had a remaining mortgage. I had another, I don't know, 10 years left on my mortgage, Brother Sam. We had a Yukon, my wife's Yukon. I owed 20-something thousand on my Yukon. I took an $80,000 a year pay cut. I look at my bank account, I'm like, I don't know how that got in there, but we're going to pay the Yukon off. We paid the Yukon off. 
And all of a sudden, boop, 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 boop. It's like the woman that had the meal barrel. She reached back in there, and there was more meal. And I looked back at my bank account. I'm like, I don't know how it's getting in there, but it's getting in there. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, when I get home this weekend, I'm about to pay my mortgage off. $147,000 in less than a year and a $20,000 card. I'm talking to you about a God this morning that does the impossible. And when, uh, when I say my bank account, it's still got funds because my God holds a cattle on a thousand hills. And he says, you trust me. If you trust me, I will bless you going in. I will bless you coming out. If you stay faithful to my word, I will rain down manna, all spiritual manna and everything else, church. And more than anything, he has given me my four kids. All of my kids have a hunger and a desire to worship and to serve God. One of my daughter plays the piano and sings. The other one, she sings with them. My son plays the drums. My other little bitty one, she's raising up and she can quote the scriptures like I don't know what. But the blessings just ain't financial. I'd give it all away for my kids. But I have a right to it. Because we have been called to stand fast in our liberty. They want to tell you, you got to let your kids grow out of it. No, we got the Holy Ghost today. And I'm going to be the Holy Ghost until they get the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be the barrier. I'm going to be the walls. I'm going to be the restraint until they get it. And we're going to get them in an atmosphere. We're going to take them to this camp and to that camp. And we're going to go to that camp. And if I ain't got the money, I'm going to scrape up the money. But I'm going to get them there. As long as they got a desire in their heart for God, I'm going to see to it that there's a God out there to meet the need. My, 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 my. Help me find somewhere to stop. Woo! Man, oh, church, called to be free. He says, we find out as the ages go on, men come in and they pervert the word of God to make it fit a certain tradition. See, in 325 Nicaea, it became, Christianity became an idea. They shut Christ down on the outside. We find him in Revelation 3 and verse 21. He's on the outside trying to get back into his church. Trying to get back into his church. He called them to be free and they pushed him out. And, we, and he says here now, we find that as the ages go on, men come in and they pervert the word of God to make it fit a certain tradition. Well, we can only preach for 45 minutes. Look, church, I may not be an intellectual giant, but I'm barely getting warmed up at 45 minutes. I mean, man, we've gotten that so indifferent with God, we can't sit a little bit longer. You can sit to a two-hour movie. You can go watch a two-hour ball game. You can go sit on your phone for two hours, and you can't sit in the supernatural atmosphere of the Holy Ghost for more than 45 minutes. Shame on us today. God has called you to be free. If you ever get the Holy Ghost on the inside, you can't get enough of this Word. You'll feed on it and feed on it and feed on it and feed on it because it's this word that's going to change your body. It 
become a tradition. We've got to sing three songs and invite the preacher out. And when he's done, after 45 minutes, we sing two songs and dismiss. Because we got to replicate what Brother Branham did. Look, church. God took his man off the scene so that man would not replicate man. But God left the Holy Spirit here so that man will replicate the Holy Spirit. That this end time church will do all that she has in her ability and her power through the leadership of the Holy Ghost to be what that first church was. But you find man has become man worshipers. God has not called us to worship man. God has called you to worship him. There's a spirit that's alive today. They want to pervert the word of God. They want to pre preach traditions and stories and how it was in that day. And, you know, and not preach the Pentecostal experience because you know what happens when you get Pentecostal? Some of you don't because you're sitting there dead as dead. Well, when you get Pentecostal, you loosen up a little bit. Now, I, I'm not being ugly towards you, but... You know, we're, we're supposed to be a little Pentecostal. Pentecostal is not a denomination. Pentecostal is an experience. And that's what we want. We don't want you to think about a Pentecostal, a denomination, but I want you to have a Pentecostal experience because what he did in that day, when he poured out his spirit in that day, that was the pattern that was set for this day when men is trying to strip that away from you and teach it away from you and say you don't have to do that. You don't have to act like that anymore. What are they trying to, trying to rob you of your liberty to be free? But God has called you to be free. And the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise you the Lord. If you can't praise God in the house of God, how are you going to praise Him in Walmart? How are you going to praise Him in the job? How are you going to praise Him at school? This is the place where you should feel free to praise God. But they pervert the word. Preachers say, I'm not letting my people go back to Pentecost. Shame on you. Shame on you. We're not going to Azusa Pentecost. But from 1906 to 1915, that movement was a movement of God. It was a movement of God. God was restoring the gifts. And the Bible tells us, let me just get there. Here we look in, in 1 Corinthians 12 and, 12 and verse 4. I'm going to start bringing this to a close. I ain't saying I'm closed. I'm bringing it to a close. I may fall over here in a minute, but we're, we're going to finish this. Because this is, this is pertinent for your liberty. I want you to see this. He says now, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4. There, now there are diversities of gifts. But the same Spirit. And there are diversities of operations. But it's the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Notice now, here's where we get into it. Verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit of the Word of wisdom. So some of you this morning will have the gift of wisdom. And to another be a word of knowledge or the gift of knowledge by the same Spirit. And to another faith. You say, well, Brother Joe, I don't have faith. Well, I correct you on that because the Bible says he has given every man a measure of faith. So that gift is in operation in the body right here this morning. By the same Spirit and to another, gifts of healing. 
by the same Spirit, and to another working of miracles. So there's still miracles in the body. There's still healing in the body. There's still faith in the body. There's still wisdom in the body. There's still knowledge in the body. And another to prophesy. There's still prophecy in the body. Where the prophet is going off the scene. It doesn't eradicate the word. The word says I'm giving you a gift of prophecy. It's in the body. And to another the discerning of spirits. And to another diverse kinds of tongues. And to another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self same spirit. Dividing to every man severally as he will. And the prophet of God will tell you. Let me just back up. Let me share this quote from Smith Wigglesworth. He says, now where the Holy Ghost has to ride away, the gifts of the Spirit will be in manifestation. And where these gifts are never in manifestation, I question whether he is present. Oh, oh. Notice now, God placed in his word nine spiritual gifts that are to be in operation in the church. And as we remove them, or who are we to remove them from the church and forbid the operation of these gifts all because one of the main gifts in this age is gone. But the Holy Ghost is still present. See, who are we to disallow the church of the living God to manifest these gifts of miracles, of tongues, interpretation, wisdom, knowledge, faith, who are we as a man to strip the promises from God? This is part of your liberty. This is part of your rights as a son, as a believer to operate. Brother Sam, in this church, the power of God will tell us, I believe that your scripture teaches that gifts and callings are without repentance. And when we are born in the world, we are sent here by, for one purpose, that is of God. And that before even be we become adults, he says, we were yet children, gifts that we had in God are in us then. And only the fulfilling of the Holy Ghost puts these gifts in operation. But we had them in the beginning, such as teachers, apostles, prophets, and tongues, and the nine, and the nine spiritual gifts. Notice, according to 1 Corinthians, and we believe that these gifts are in operation today, and they should be in every local church. So he's got gifts in his church. There's nine spiritual gifts in the local church, in the local body, and they should be in full operation in every body, in every church. What they want to say. That was only for a prophet. Notice he didn't say he was going to put teachers, evangelists, missionaries, prophets, and pastors in every church. But he says, I'm going to put nine spiritual gifts in every church. I'm going to put the nine spiritual gifts in every church. And he says, and we look here and I perceive that thou art a prophet. He said, and all those nine spiritual gifts moving through the church operating the whole church body. Then we'll have a rapture. Then it will be called out and we'll have a rapture. If he goes now, if we can't have faith for divine healing, how can we have faith for a rapture? 
So God has restored in this last day those nine spiritual gifts to be in operation in the local assembly right here this morning. And some of you don't recognize you have a gift in your life and God is wanting to bring you to the, the stature of a perfect man to the full word so that that gift can become an operation and so that the church can move on and so that we can prepare ourselves for a rapture of the body change. Oh, church. But we got intellectual giants, intellectual teachers, intellectual people, and they just want to they want to make the message a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's, a bunch of don'ts. The kids get 18, they walk out because they never met God, because God was never preached. They preached an idea. They preached a tradition. They preached a legalistic standpoint. But I'm here to tell you the word has been made flesh. I'm here to tell you the word has been made flesh. It's made flesh in you. It's made flesh in you. Made flesh in you. It's made flesh in you. The word is being made flesh. Because we don't preach tradition. We preach the power of liberation. Won't you musicians come? He says, do you know when the Holy Spirit first came? It was on the day of Pentecost. And they were all in one place and one accord. And there came from heaven a sound like a rushing mighty wind. And they had to get the atmosphere right. Oh, Brother Sam, what would happen this morning if we could get the atmosphere right? Some of y'all worried about drums in church. Put your thinking aside and let's get the atmosphere right. Let's get the piano right. Let's get the, the worship right. Let's get everything right. No, the atmosphere in your heart. Let's get that right. And when you get that right, there'll come tongues of fire and licks of fire. And the power of the Holy Ghost will come and save some of our young people and fill them with the Holy Ghost and give you the promise that'll keep you when you walk out these doors. See, it takes an atmosphere. It's a place where we want Christ. He says, but they so pregnated they become so pregnated with Satan's wisdom and knowledge. And the church has become, he said, they send their people to wait on the, to school to learn it. How to say, amen. They learn how to say this and that and be very intellectual. What is it? It's a pregnation of the devil. What does Satan pregnate Eve with? To disbelieve the word for intellectuals, intellects. And it ruined the whole creation. That's exactly what she's done in the Word today. The church, she's pregnated herself with Bible schools and colleges and things like that, reading, writing, arithmetic, and they know no more about God than a hot and tot would know about Egyptian knife. They know all their creeds and their prayer books and everything else, but they know nothing about God. And today men can tell you 64, 65, 63, 47, 53, all down through every major cherry-picking quote. But you tell them about the supernatural. They'll tell you, God, don't do that. God, don't do that. We don't have to act like that. We don't have to have that. What if we've gotten a bunch of message theologians? They can tell you what he said in the visible union, what he said in the choosing of a bride, what he said in 48 through 65. They can recite paragraphs from the church age book, but they can't tell you about a living God. They can't come up here when you got devils tormenting you and lay hands on you and cast them out because they don't know the realities of a living God. All they have is an intellect. And their churches are drying up. 
He's impregnated with intellectual conception. You gotta, you gotta have a high school graduate before you can ever enter. You gotta, you gotta have to stand before a psychiatrist before you can be ordained. He said, education can never bring life. I'm so glad. Brother Sam, I'm so glad. I may have a high school degree or education diploma. I got a college degree, but what did that do for me? He didn't do anything for me. I don't have a, a doctorate, a DDD, or something, a diploma in theology. But what I do know is I met him. And what I do know is he called me. And what I do know that you've been called to liberty this morning. And he says education can never bring you life. It takes the Spirit of God to bring you life. And the life must not come just through intellectual revival. It's got to come out of the Bible, a word revival. And the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, no intellectual revival will awaken this bride. No intellectual revival will change this bride from mortal to immortality. It will take the supernatural. It will take a supernatural word that will create a supernatural atmosphere that will cause a supernatural change to come across a supernatural people. That was a mouthful, but did you get it? I said it will take a supernatural word to create a supernatural atmosphere to cause a supernatural change to come across a supernatural people, church. It will take the anointing, brother Sam, to break the yoke. In Isaiah 10 and verse 27, it said, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. The burden of sin. The burden of Brother Glenn, the pressures of life, the burden of all your past mistakes and failures and regrets. It will come to pass that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Don't you see why an intellectual understanding can never deliver? It can never break the yoke. It takes the anointing to break the yoke. We need anointed churches. We need anointed teachers. We need anointed preachers. We need anointed evangelists. We need anointed pastors. We need anointed missionaries. We need anointed young people. We need anointed moms, anointed dads, anointed granddads. We need anointed musicians and anointed song leaders and anointed deacons and trustees and anointed Sunday school. We want the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I don't want your intellectual tradition. I don't want your man-made idea. I want liberty. And liberty only comes by the anointing of the hour, church. God bless you, Brother Sam. Come and take over. Our, our brother here. God has called you to liberty. Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has made you free. Stand fast in your liberty. Don't surrender your inalienable rights this morning. God bless you, church. Of the goodness of God. You, Lord, for you have led me, never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up. Until I lay my head 
Oh, I will see of the goodness of God. Oh, oh, all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. Oh, you have led me through the fire, and in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God. Oh, all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, you've been so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, your goodness is running after, it's running out. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. One more time. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after to me oh, oh, all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able oh I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing it to him again. Oh, 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 all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Oh, I will sing of the goodness 
us, God. Amen. Amen. What a desire that he has for his people. The prophet taught us there in Christ the mystery of God, the threefold purpose of God. One of those purposes that you would know him, that you would know him, that he would have preeminence in you. That's what we want. That's what we tell you all the time. That's what this church is. This church is not a formal. This church is not an organization. This church has no schedule. This church is to be led solely by the Holy Ghost. Yes. I've shared that. Brother Ram talks about him, Brother Neville, and I'll say the same thing about me and Brother Matt. We're not your bosses. The Lord Jesus is. He's the one that rules this church. Yes, He's the one that moves amongst your heart. It ain't been Brother Joel that got your heart all tore up like this. It ain't got your. It ain't been him getting your heart all crying out to God like that. That's your maker. The Bible says, Knowest thou thy maker is also thy husband. This isn't emotion. This isn't some work up. This is the Holy Ghost. And I thank you for it. I thank him. I say right now, I thank God this ain't no dead church. I thank God the Holy Ghost can move freely in a room like this, in a body of believers. I thank God for that. I bless his name. Amen. I so appreciated what God has done this weekend, Brother Joe. I appreciate that. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it ain't easy to, to let your thoughts go, to let your ideas go, and just let God speak. Sometimes you worry if you'll hurt somebody's feelings. Sometimes you worry if you'll offend someone. But when the Lord is speaking, it's exactly what that person needs. And Amen. I appreciate the Lord moving on his life like that, moving in that head for us this weekend. That's all God. You'll admit that. That's God. They don't know, they don't know nothing about you. He don't know nothing about you. That was God, the one that knows everything about you. I thank him for that. Yes. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning, this night, this afternoon. Lord Jesus, we want to say thank you. Thank you. Oh, we want to say thank you, Lord, that the gospel wasn't just preached this morning, but it was manifested. Not just preached, Father, but it was manifested. That we have to manifest this word, this living word, this living sacrifice, this living God, this living present help in every time of trouble. This proving, God, that you're still alive and you're still in control. Lord, I pray you bless our people once again, Lord. That you would help them as they go their separate ways. And Lord, that they would take what you've done this weekend in our hearts and in our lives, Lord, and it would lock it up and let Satan have no access at it. Don't let him say, well, that was just this or that was just this. But then their testimony will always be, that was God. Amen. That was only God. Amen. And I claim that and I believe that, Lord. Or don't let Satan take it from our hearts, Lord. Let us take that and add that to our faith. Add that to our virtue. Add that to our temperance. Add that to our patience. Add that to that character of Christ in us as we emanate and express your attributes, Father. Bless us. Help us. Strengthen us, Lord. Be with Brother Joel, Lord. Restore strength to him. Restore virtue to him, Lord. We, we pulled it out real good this morning, Lord. I pray you build him back up, Lord. Help him and Brother EJ as they travel home, Lord. Bless them, Lord, everywhere you send them, Lord. Continue to bless those brothers. Help them, Lord Jesus. And we want to once again say thank you, Lord, for being our God. Not just being his God, not just being someone else's God, but being our God, Lord. It being my Lord, being my King, my Savior, my Redeemer, my Restorer, my Healer, the one that gives the Holy Ghost, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you've done here. 
Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory, all of our hearts, all of our cups poured out in worship to you because you are God alone. You're the only one worthy of all the glory and honor. We love you so very much, and we appreciate you, Lord. Be with us as we go our separate ways. Bless our fellowship, Lord. And we'll be sure to say thank you, Lord, for all you do in our lives. We give you all the glory today, Lord, and pray you'd help us. In your most precious and lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Sing that song.